Welcome to the Money Mentor Podcast, where you'll learn all about, you guessed it, money. Our mentor, Dave Diggs, is a good old-fashioned Kiwi bloke who came from zero to hero and established nothing short of an empire. Dave donates generously to his community. He owns several finance companies, including Cresta Credit, and yet he failed fifth form math in high school. His advice is gold, he's a street smart genius, a man of integrity, and he'll tell you how it is, whether you like it or not. If you want to learn all about money, this is a great opportunity to learn from the very best on offer. In this episode, Dave shares his thoughts on the two most common investments that Kiwis make, KiwiSaver and property. We discuss which stocks to back and which to avoid. We ask if we should reduce our risk in KiwiSaver and then raise it again once the markets bounce back. We discuss how it's cheaper to rent than buy right now, and we talk about the Queenstown, Christchurch, and Auckland property markets and where you're likely to get capital gain. If you're an aspiring entrepreneur, then get involved, join our Money Mentor Facebook group, ask us questions, and we'll answer them in our future episodes. Okay, Dave, today I would like to talk about two common investments that many New Zealanders have, and that's... I guess their own properties, property investments. So maybe they own their own property, but maybe they also are the mum and dad sort of owners which want a rental property as well. But also I also want to sort of cover off KiwiSaver, which we've mentioned in a previous podcast briefly, but I want to get a bit deeper into them because obviously around this, let's call it a volatile time around the coronavirus, these markets, you know, a lot of people are sort of wondering, should they, shouldn't they? Should they buy a property? What's going to happen? And no one's got a crystal ball, but it'd be really great to get your take on where we think the market's going to go. So Dave, let's start with diving into detail about KiwiSaver, someone's superannuation fund. Should people be adjusting their risk, right? Because I think you can customize your KiwiSaver. You can either make it a low risk, moderate or high risk, and then you can actually choose what you're actually investing in with your KiwiSaver as well. So what are your thoughts around adjustments? And yeah, let's start there. Well, people are, are panicking at the moment because the share market has come off and so their KiwiSaver has gone backwards. So if they are um, the type of person that panics when the share market goes down, they should switch that to a fixed interest um, account. That'll mean they're going to be have a lot less money on odds when they retire than if it was in a, a, a share portfolio property superannuation fund but if they can't tolerate the share market fluctuation then you go to the safe lot and you'll get a lot lower return on average but you will be able to if that's your mindset you'll be able to sleep better but you know if you invest in companies that um i don't like retail because it is cyclical and i just struggle a bit with that but i like to invest in companies that are um medical like eboss suits me fine and um, microsoft because um that no matter how tough things get, we need Microsoft, um, phone companies, banks, that, that type of thing that no matter, more or less, no matter what happens in the economy, the underlying business is still doing all right. So the share price might not reflect that today because people are being cashing up or whatever. But in the end, if the company's still doing what it did beforehand, the share price will reflect that. And with interest rates so low, you, you actually need to in my view, you need to be investing in a company that's doing something constructive. But if you can't tolerate that those fluctuations, then you, then you shouldn't do that. It will cost you too much sleep. Yeah, okay. So so with KiwiSaver, you're able to go and you're able to log in and you're able to sort of reduce your risk rate. So many New Zealanders have done that. And it's I think I saw in stuff that 
most New Zealanders probably most of us won't actually necessarily change it back because we'll it'll it'll just go off the radar. We'll forget about it. And we'll lose lots and lots of money earning potential over the over the coming years, coming decades. So, what are your um, thoughts on making adjustments in the first place? Should you just leave it alone, or would it actually, if you've got the discipline to do it, would you actually have perhaps? lowered your risk temporarily for a period of time and then make sure you calendar it and make it happen and then increase the risk once the market's shooting up again. What what are your thoughts on that? I definitely wouldn't be lowering risk at the moment because the share market's crashed relatively and when it comes back, it comes back generally quite quickly, like maybe over two years and, and to above where it was. So you, you'd be hopping out when everyone else is hopping out and then getting back in when everyone else is getting back in. In my view, you, you really stick with your KiwiSaver and your your share investment scheme where it is now, and get the right as we come out of this. And I believe we will. I, you know, this could be uh, well two years, three years, but I, I believe that it would be far better to stay where you are than to switch to fixed interest, which is very low anyway. And the share market, um, it, it changes are more rapid because the property, like the market's been down in every respect. When you um. When the share market goes down at instant, because you can sell your shares today, I need some money, click, you sold your shares, you've got money tomorrow. But the property market doesn't reflect that the same rapidly because if you need to sell your property, it might take three or four months in a tough time. So the property value has gone down, but the statistics are six months later before they become factual. When you put your property on the market, take a long time to sell it, reduce the price, finally it's sold and settled some weeks later or months later. And then the statistics are like six or eight months later. So it doesn't look like property come down. But in fact, it came down on the same day as the share market. In residential property, a lot of people think, well, I paid $500,000 for this house. I'm not taking it less, but really the underlying price has dropped, but it's not realised or apparent because the people simply won't sell taking the loss. So in property, some of those key indicators that people could watch, I mean, one of them is what vacancy rates. And vacancy rates are bound to grow because unemployment is growing because obviously tourism is taking a bit of a hit, for example. Um, So people are unemployed and therefore some of those unemployed people are going to perhaps move back home with their parents and therefore that's one less house that's being occupied. So those vacancy rates will actually grow and that is a very, very good indicator. So when those vacancy rates grow, obviously then rents start coming down um, and obviously property prices follow rents. Am I correct in saying that, Dave? No, they don't go hand in hand at all. Um, and you're talking about two two markets. First of all, we're talking about um, residential property, not commercial. So, yep. um, and then apartments and and the family home. And the rents on family home, while it does vary, um, it doesn't. It's the apartments where you get the people moving back home. That market's much more volatile, where young couples are moving in together and um, wanting somewhere to live, compared to a family. They, they don't, typically don't move house too much, so the rent might go up ten or twenty dollars in a year's time when the rent reviews. But not so volatile in the family home, and but the market price of houses can change without the rents changing. It's with interest rates and demand, and different areas have a, a school zones. People will just want to get into that area, and compared to what the property might rent for, has no correlation to what they might pay for it because they want to live there. This is about a, a home, and that home is not a good investment. You should have a home, I believe, or good stability in that. But as far as an investment goes, they're very poor. Right, because it's taking money out of your pocket every week. Cost it'd be cheaper to rent compared to owning because you've got cost of ownership, you've got interest rates, insurance and maintenance. And that's um, a lot dearer than uh, renting it. Uh, renters are on, on the right side of the ledger. 
But the problem with renting, not many people are disciplined enough to put the difference away and save it. So over 30 years, the guy that's um, paid, owned his own home, he paid more for it, but he, is, uh, he owns it at freehold, whereas the rent is unlikely to put aside you know, 500000 in that same period. And of course, there are a bunch of rent vesters out there, though. So there's people that live in areas and they'll go and rent in nice areas that they want to live in, but they'll then buy rental properties and perhaps some of the other areas that give a better return, uh, but they don't necessarily live in those properties. Sure. Yeah, yeah it happens. So they're probably um, living beyond their means. Really, they should be living in a cheaper property. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So would you say right now it's actually pretty cheap to rent or... Is, I mean, obviously the interest rates are so low at the moment. Is that an opportunity for some of those first home buyers to sort of really start thinking about that? As long as they've got a steady income and and they've and they're starting to build some, is it a good time to buy? If you need a home, if you you know you certainly get down to make a family or whatever, and you need a home, it's good psychologically to have a home, and especially for women that they like to nest and it's stable, and so the economics behind buying your own home, they don't come into it really. You want to settle and buy your own home. You're not going to make money on your own home. That's not why you would buy that. That's your home. You'll make money on your other jobs. Not that's not your prime. Because the market goes up, your five hundred thousand dollar house becomes six hundred. You might think you made a hundred grand, but the eight hundred thousand dollars house has also gone up more than the hundred. This all goes up as a percentage. So you know, further, you you're not getting ahead. You're just borrowing more money most times. So, so you're buying you're buying in the same market as you're selling. So therefore, you're not actually getting ahead at all. Yep. Well, and a five hundred thousand dollar house goes up ten percent, it goes to five fifty. The eight hundred thousand house goes up to eight eighty. So you're thirty grand behind. You just got the houses going up, it's putting the dearer houses further out of your reach in real terms. Yeah, right. Okay, so in it, does that mean in a declining market that if you've got a property, it wouldn't be the worst thing to sell it and then rent for a while, wait for it to decline even further, and then buy back in? Yes, but if it's your family home, you don't want to disrupt your family. That's no good for anybody. Economically, that's exactly right. But there yeah, we can tarnish as a trader. The ideal one to be the tax on the gains. Um, all BMI will get a loss on that one. Yeah. But if it's your family home, it, you should have a long term view of that. We're certainly here it's where we live. Kids are going to school here. Making a profit on your family home should not be your main motive. You'll, you'll be shifting all your life and you'll never be stable. And paying bank fees, legal fees, land agent fees. And you've got to be doing pretty well. Sell a six hundred thousand dollar house and take out fifty k for land agents, lawyers, and valuers. You know your hundred k loss half is gone. Yeah. So okay. So let's shift it away from the family home. Let's talk about Queenstown. Queenstown has obviously been hit very, very hard. I think um, I heard or read that one in twenty six people were locals in Queenstown. So that means the other the other twenty five are all tourists. So all of those tourists are no longer there. Um, those businesses have literally come to a grinding halt. In that property market, which was just screaming there for a while, is there an opportunity for people to jump into that market where it may have been a little bit, you know, out of their reach in the past? Is is this now an actual opportunity? Hotspots like Queenstown are so cool. And again, they're dependent on, on tourism and retail. So can we just, can I stop you and just dumb it down a fraction for me, for simple people like me? What does cyclical mean? Well, in the boom times of great tourism, the property prices and everything is, goes really well down there. But then when things slow down, and which of course is extreme right at the moment, but they slow down, then the property values and the retail all slows down more extreme than it would in, say, Christchurch or Auckland or Wellington. You get greater variances. You've got to have a lot higher tolerance for risk and you've got to be able to fund it through. So you own property down there, 
and it drops in value, and it, so you, it's below what you pay for it for two years, and you can't get a tenant, can you stomach that and afford to stomach it and fund it? But if you're in a more stable environment, hey, Dunedin, even the cities where it's more stable, you can always rent your property out maybe a bit less, but you can, there's always some income, whereas in the places that are like Queenstown, Rotorua may be where there's big highs or big lows, you've got to have a, a certain appetite for that. And not many um, residential property investors have. So you actually sort of mentioned that when you were talking about investments as well and stock investments and things is, is you want to stay away from the ones that are cyclical and you want the ones that are more steady and there's always going to be demand for them regardless. So well, I, I, I bought some shares in um, December, January um, and probably lost 20% of their value in the next month. And that's just life. And I don't, I don't watch it every day. And the, the original goal I've set for those, that in 20 years they would have performed better than, well, in my view, and other Better, better than other assets with less hands-on management. Um, so the losses don't affect me. But if you're the type of person that's going to be, oh, I spend 100 grand on shares and now they're only worth 80, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, you've got to have a, it's a different risk tolerance and not everyone can do that. You know, it's a, it's a attitude, but I tell you, will this achieve my long-term goals? There'll be ups and, it's not a straight line, it's going to be ups and downs along the way. Mm, for sure. So, in the property market in New Zealand, where would you say, I mean, I've, I've read that Christchurch is way undervalued at the moment. Obviously, that's got some huge influence around the earthquakes and it, perhaps it's a little less attractive to a lot of families than it has been in the past, but it's, the property is way undervalued from in comparison to the other cities around New Zealand. Is that correct? So could that be actually a very good place to invest for someone? And also with those prices being, what's the average price value at the moment? Is it what? 450 500 is it sitting around there yeah 500 ish more 550 yeah yeah so that could be a nice a nice place for someone to start looking to invest would you is that's an assumption for me what, what do you think about that well if you bought a house for 500,000 and rented it for 500 dollars a week it's going to return you about 3% or maybe 2% and if you're happy with that um and there'll be a bit of um, agro with tenants maybe unless you're very good at choosing tenants and you can tolerate that because dealing with tenants is not always easy. The law stacked against you as a landlord. can't kick them out. You can't, even if they've paid the rent in the wrecking house, you can't. You, and the dogs um, making a mess of your lawn and stuff like that. If you've got a tolerance for that, maybe. But would you do all that for a 3 or 4% return? Maybe you've got debt as well. Um, in which case, if you're paying 3 or 4% on your, on your money, it's you might as well just not do it yet. Best investment is to get rid of your personal debt. So if you owe three hundred thousand dollars on your home, four hundred thousand, whatever, and you're paying three, four percent on it, then pay that. That's your best investment. Pay that down because you're paying that interest out of after-tax money. And we talked about that on a previous podcast. That the difference between deductible for business and after-tax is huge. So you really the best investment you can do is get rid of your personal debt. But most people buying personal property, um, other investment property, they have an ego and they want to own the house down the road and they tell their mates, oh, I own two houses on our street. And that's cool, but it's, the ego is a big cost. Mm. And they're banking on capital gain, I guess, which is well, uh, crystal. That, they'll only ever match inflation over time. And we've got no inflation. So, and in Christchurch, we're talking about, we've got quite a lot of um, excess property because we had the boom after the earthquake. And there's a bit of repositioning going on with them. Um, the properties that was on the east side of the city being developed and fixed and new stuff being built there and some not bad new subdivisions completed. Uh, and then you've got Rolleston and West Melton where 
a lot of people move to in a panic and they may want to come back to the city. So there's a bit of repositioning going on in, in some of those outlying areas. Um, Preppleton, Lincoln are fine, but Ronston, West Melton is not a, not a good place to have real estate at the moment, really. No. Um, I guess in the back of everyone's mind, if you go back, what, I don't know, five, six, seven years, and you look at the Auckland market, it was it was just thriving. It was just, you know, mass hysteria where the prices were just racing up. And that's where, I guess, people want to jump in the market at the right time and time it and all those sorts of things. So uh, that's why we're asking questions around timing and uh, what the coronavirus is doing and whether that is a good time to sort of look at this. Um, and that is capital gain orientated rather than you're talking about returns, which is, you know, um, I guess your cash flow, if you buy a cash flow property then that's probably the safest way to do things and then trying to get a capital gain is just you know crossing your fingers and trying to predict something i think in auckland there will be capital gains more because it's a it's more desirable to live in on a world scene a lot of people come to new zealand um and auckland's the most desirable place but warmer and um from the, on a world scene they most of our immigrants come to auckland and will be seen as an even more safer and cleaner place after what being through with corona than what we were before. So Auckland probably has got, in my view, has got capital gains, but I don't think in Christchurch and Berlin that they're going to be the big amounts that we've seen historically. Okay. Dave, hey, thank you once again. Valuable advice. Really appreciate it. And um, over and out. Over and out. Bye. See ya. Once again, the advice from our money mentor, Dave, it's gold. Recognise that this advice is for free, so if you'd like to show your support, jump onto the Cresta Credit website or Facebook page and give them a great review. Please like and share this podcast to help Kiwi families understand money, making life just that little bit easier.